0: Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for daily baseball content. I am LJ LaFura. Alongside me, I've got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how are we doing today?
2: LJ, personally, I'm doing great. In terms of my baseball fandom, it has not been a great weekend. Uh, I said that I wasn't going to give very many thoughts on the Yankees Red Sox series until of course the Sunday night episode that's usually where the hot takes are the hottest uh we just finish off whatever kind of weekend series it is and it's it's our initial reaction so yeah uh other than the Red Sox Yankees outcome uh certainly not doing bad uh well, we have quite a few interesting things that we're going to talk about outside of the red Sox and yankees uh including some kind of substance stuff we're going to go through some gold glove awards uh yeah but uh what do you say that we start off because you're supposed to do the the gold gloves on friday's episode or saturday's episode excuse me but uh yeah, LJ, what do you say that we uh start off with with the American League Gold Glove awards as we see them right now and then uh we can get into the games?
0: Yeah, I love it. I mean, this yeah, this is one of my favorite conversations we're going to have this year. Love myself some defense and can't can't wait to see how we feel this Gold Glove conversation is shaping up to start this year. Uh, particularly for this American League squad. So why don't we go ahead and get on into this?
2: Can I just say that this is, like, out of all the awards that we have we have handed out so far, this is by far the hardest to pick. Like, easily the yes. hardest to pick.
0: And here's why. And it gets more frustrating with the, depending on the position, particularly the outfielders, but I'm majoritively... If if you're asking me my favorite defensive like stat as far as a baseline, I like to go with outs above average mm. because across the board it's it's simple feedback like you can easily break it down into what you're exactly getting from a player. Um with that being said, I do like to kind of glance over at other things. Like I'm not going to lo- I'm not going to go all in get all into UZR or anything uh, defensive runs saved per se in this conversation, because I'm only using that in the player of the week conversations as just a baseline of what was done that week. I'm not ask, I'm not trying to give gold gloves based on those numbers because I don't think those are nearly as I'm not, I don't, I don't grasp what they're meaning nearly to the same extent in terms of like direct quantitative production as I do this. However, regardless of that, it is different every single time. It is maddening how different these can be time in and time out. Like, you know?
2: Yeah. You like, know, I, I, I think the great thing about a baseball, especially the, the defensive side, there's so like especially now, you know, we have all, all of these uh, defensive stats that try to account for everything. Baseball is just such a wacky sport that you just cannot account for some stuff. Like random stuff's going to happen. The ball is going to take a terrible bounce. It's going to hit the base. It's going to do whatever. And you can't quantify some of that stuff. So these stats are not anywhere close to perfect, but they do give us a pretty good idea, especially outs above average because it it, uh, uses a lot of stat cast stuff it's all based on catch probability or yeah that or play
0: probability
2: or play probability yeah for yeah uh, so
0: actually this will be a pretty good I think I can um yeah I'll
2: have was, you take it that, that away
0: yeah define it as simply as possible because it gets a little in depth in baseball savant's definition but basically they use the out probability so how likely it will be based on how hard it's hit where it's hit how the defense is lined up that equates to a number of what percentage of the time that play should be made to get the out. So you then do that plus your actual success or failure. So if you get, let's say a 20, you make a play that you had a 25% chance to make.
2: According now, to Statcast. According, right?
0: according to stat cast. Yeah. So, yeah. So like just for example, a hard hit, a pretty hard hit ball towards the, left side of the infield but up the middle where the shortstop's got really ranging to get back to it and then make the throw to first quick. If that's like 25% chance that you're going to make that play successfully and you make it, that becomes a plus 0.75 in, in favor in your favor when it comes to outs above average. So every single time that you make a great play, it gets a huge boost. Every single time you make a regular routine play, it gets a minor boost. But the big thing for me is, I think this one does a better job than others of not completely killing you for trying to make hard plays.
2: No, and uh, you know, I think a really good example. I'll just say this now because I know that we're not going to uh, bring him up for the the Gold Glove awards because this is the American League show. But if you look at someone like. Fernando Tatis Jr. Sure, he has the most errors this year, but he only has minus one outs above average because he is so rangy and he does try to make tough plays all the time. You know what I mean? And sure, it can be frustrating to watch him. I'm not sure if you saw the error that he made today, but it was just a really bad play in general. Uh, But, like it goes to show that errors are not everything and some guys get a lot of errors because they're they're just ranging to balls that guys can't get to otherwise so i think that outs above average does a pretty good adjustment for to try to try to uh normalize everything
0: yeah and honestly like you'll agree i'd rather see a guy ma- try to make hard plays and fail and get what looks what would appear in the box score as a sloppier game if it meant guys were going all out for like ridiculous catches. Oh, like, absolutely. Like I would rather see a, well, first off, I'd rather see a, the one of the best plays that you could get would be a diving shortstop play where he has to turn around, maybe even still on the ground and throw it quick to first and have to get a nice pick from the first baseman. But, like, if that ball goes flying past the first baseman, it's I'm not okay with that. Like, if it was the Red Sox, I'd be frustrated. But I'd rather see that than the players eating the ball all the time to boost their defensive stats.
2: Absolutely. Well, uh, let's get into it, LJ. How do we want to do it? Or why don't we just start with pitcher? Pitcher. Let's go one at a time. Yeah. All right. I need to pull up fan graphs for the pitcher um i kind of remember who i was going to pick when we were planning to do this the other day um
0: i do remember who i was going to pick yeah, here
2: you can go ahead first
0: the first gold glove we we're going to give out for the pitcher will go to williams ostadio <laughs> of <the> minnesota twins <laughs> um easily like yeah does he qualify for as a pitcher no 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 huh? No he's no, had but like three appearances
2: like, can, this year. but how many,
0: how many does he have to have to technically like be like position eligible like I want
2: to say it's like you have to pitch a third of an inning for every game that your team plays on the year. So like 162 divided by three, so like around 50 something innings, I think.
0: So you have to get 50 something innings to get like the position like to get picture as a position.
2: I want to say it's something like that. Yeah. Interesting.
0: No, my serious answer here is going to be I just oh shoot. Um you see it's a tough call here for me, but I think I'm going to go with um Josh Fleming of the Tampa Ooh, Bay Rays.
2: Interesting.
0: You know, and it really came down to um The errors. Because, I mean, of course, you don't have a lot of advanced statistics for the pitcher as they get little to no putouts or assists in their very few innings. Um, Dallas Keichel currently leads all pitchers in assists with 21. Fleming is five behind that. However, he has six more putouts himself and, more importantly, one less error. He is currently mistake three. Free through 66 innings, an argument could be made for, of course, both Dallas Keuchel because he is putting up a good season. I'm not gonna, like, I wouldn't be like totally mad over one error, but I think he would be a runner up. I think Nathan Ivaldi could also be a runner up here. Uh, six putouts, 15 assists, no errors over 90 innings. I think that those, I think those two are closer together than uh, Josh Fleming.
2: Yeah, uh I'm gonna go with with uh with uh Dallas Keuchel. Uh he has the most uh, defensive runs saved for any pitcher. And like you said, he's made the most put outs. Uh certainly Josh Josh Fleming has been very good. Uh especially like, you know, trying to keep that, that errors number low. I wish that Domingo Herman uh would learn that one. But you know, it's it's certainly Gold glove is a really tough award to give out. And then when it's the pitcher gold glove, it, 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 it's essentially just like throwing darts.
0: Mm.
2: I mean, you know, it's so hard to even, even the eye test for, for pitchers. Because like LJ, you know, we, we, we talk about, you know, how much should eye test be used over analytics and everything. But I feel like the eye test for pitcher fielding because they all just don't care about fielding whatsoever. It's the last thing on their mind. That well, really most of them it's so hard look. to do. Yeah.
0: You've got guys who end up like halfway turned around from the play when they finish their follow-through. You can't really expect them to make that many plays. No. When they don't when they don't see the ball at the end of the at bat
2: well exactly and then trying to watch it and be like okay well was that a good play or was it just because he was turned around and had to adjust his body so he like made it look like a very good play you know so
0: yeah that too
2: there's just so Uh, much with it yeah
0: yeah the next one we're going to go into here at first base is almost frustratingly difficult because in the American League defense at first base is so dry
2: yeah this is is really tough i just on this one i mean there's certainly the national league first base is very competitive i would say that
0: oh yes that one is a legitimate like it's a conversation
2: oh it's a race like there's like five guys who could get who are in Striking distance. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. As for American League, I mean, do I really give this to Carlos Santana? Uh I mean good. I think he's been pretty good this year. I think that he's been for his career, he's always been kind of, you know, an on-base percentage guy. He's he's gonna get you walks. And has he ever won a gold glove? I'm going to check right now. He's never won a gold glove before, uh, but he has put up some solid defensive stats in some years. Uh, Certainly not the greatest. Actually, I can't give it to him. I just looked at his like war and it's it's not positive. How can he like almost Um, lead the American League in outs above average for first baseman, but have a negative defensive war?
0: Well, to be fair, he's also only leading it with one out above average.
2: Yeah, he's he's
0: only almost leading it there. Uh, I do. I would be interested to hear your justification in not taking another guy on this list, and that is the guy I'm going to take here, Yandy Diaz as the first baseman here. You know, I'm not going to overly sweat how many innings these guys are getting. Yeah, like if you're a platoon guy and you're playing a semi consistently assistant level. Like he, he plays a good, a very good amount over at first base. I'm going to go ahead and counter. And he has been numbers wise, very good and very consistent all around. That's another thing that I kind of really am strong on. Yandy Diaz two outs above average, um, certainly much better to go in, going to his right than going to his left. However, with that being said, it's it's consistent enough all the way around he's not a minus anywhere whereas depending on which way that carlos santina is moving like if he's having to move carlos santina has not been good moving to his right this year to make plays and that's that's largely where his numbers have struggled if he could clear that up i would have no real qualms with that and again again that looks you look at the righty lefty splits for this and it's also very well shown in there
2: well that first base is tough for like the lefty righty splits because you you're really only getting the ball hit to you if it's a left-handed hitter really no, no, no no no
0: i know but but regardless i mean i think that's a good judging point if it's anywhere close i mean
2: oh yeah, yeah i
0: wouldn't yeah. i'm not gonna pick this based on who's definitively like the most well-rounded but like if a guy has if a guy at any position has significant trouble Going in a going to field a ball in a specific direction, then I might have to look the other way.
2: You know, I I really don't like my my Carlos Santana pick. Yandy Diaz certainly is up there, but I checked his WAR on on Baseball a Reference, and he has a negative defensive WAR this year too. I think that just goes to show how much of a mess it it, it, it is. For not only a defensive stats as a whole, but for how weak the uh, AL first base class is for this. All
0: right. Well, moving into second base, which isn't is it's better, but not like a ton better for the American League. American League defense has really kind of been lacking. Oh yeah. Over this over this season, I'm gonna go ahead and give this one to Marcus
2: Simeon. Yeah, uh, I I agree uh, with that pick. He's you been, know, he's just been really good all around. I mean, that's basically what he's done his entire career. It's just he's going to be a very good all-around player. And both sides he, he checks out.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, he's solid. That's the thing. Like, he's been solid on both sides, shortstop and second. And, like, I test 120% matches up for this guy in terms of guys around him in the American league. He's actually tied in outs above average and trailing in how many runs he's prevented to Mr. Rufnit Dor of the New York Yankees. However, Brandon, we talked about this the other day. There is a palpable difference between watching Marcus Simeon field the ball and watching Rufnit Odor field the
2: ball. Like Rufnit Dor just gets involved with too much stuff at a time. You watch any Yankees game, he is literally involved in everything. And when I say everything, I'm not joking. Today, Gio Rochelle flipped over the railing, and Odor was literally climbing over people to be the first one to help him get up. Like, just so unnecessarily involved with everything. Like, I get he got traded here. And I get that's like his personality. He's just very upbeat and everything. And look, I'm all for team chemistry. That's going to be a big part of my talking point later about the Yankees. But I just feel like it, at some point when the fans are noticing how far you're going in some instances, I can only imagine what the players think. Well, I mean, that's in like- the field, in the field that goes the same way where I feel like he does overstretch his boundaries. He's certainly not a bad fielder. But I'm very surprised to see him this far up the list because watching him field, you wouldn't think that he's a gold glover. Honestly, Simeon, you wouldn't think is a gold glover either. He's good, but not, you know, extremely good. But I just, I don't know about Odor. I mean, I know that that there's some stats that completely don't agree on him.
0: I think the ideal pick, if he'd gotten more time here, would be Nick Madrigal. And at some point in his career, we're going to be talking about Nick McMadrigal as a gold glove caliber second baseman. But I mean, yeah, this is just kind of another disappointing position. But luckily, we are not going to be at a disappointing position for very long
2: no. as
0: we move over to third base. Brandon, who are you taking here?
2: There's only one choice you can make here, and it's Matt Chapman, right? Yep. Uh, platinum glove award winner uh certainly is defined uh what being really really good at at a defense is i mean this is a guy who had in 2018 and 2019 back-to-back seven war seasons and he had three defensive war in both of those years i mean three defensive war is crazy that's it's insane and what he's been doing this year, outs above average. Uh, he's just killing it. I mean, it's it's not even close.
0: It's it's not even close. And this is one where I'm not I'm not sure if you can say. I mean, we're talking about a nine out difference here between him and the next best guy here, Joey Wendell. But is it possible that the I test exceeds the numbers here because you do not want anything hit in his vicinity. Like, not only is it reputation, but you you look out there and he still looks so good, so sharp at the position. It's just amazing to watch. There is no doubt in my mind that he is the best defensive player in the league. Like, I'm not picking I'm not taking anyone
2: else. That's not that hot. uh, No, it's not hot, but there's just other names that I'm surprised. You're skipping over your guy who you put on your favorite players list, Andrelton Simmons.
0: You know, I mean, that's a a fair talking point here. However, I think I like what Matt Chapman has done more.
1: And I think overall, it's just
0: more stronger, consistent play. I give it to him right now. I mean, I think this year has certainly put me over the top on that
2: i I think something that I just one quick point here about Chapman he's not having the best offensive year, but to see him still do it this good on the the defensive side, I think like it it, it just goes to show how locked in he is on on defense. I mean, clearly his offensive struggles this year. And he really has stepped it up because at the start of the year, he was not hitting good. He's back above a 100 OPS plus now, which is certainly
1: good. But, uh,
2: The the defense just stays on pace every year to for crazy numbers. And you watch him field, you can clearly tell that he's one of the best fielders in the game.
0: All right. It is time for the shortstops of the American League. And it's time to crank up ye old hot take machine. There is a clear guy here in my mind. It's going to look like a hot take to many. However, He's the one that I want here in this position. And it's close, but I don't think it's going to look as close when it comes down to the end of the year. Taylor Walls is your American League gold glove or a shortstop. We're going with the rookie here, and here's why. I mean, let's look at his numbers through – we're now through – I want to say it's 200, 230 innings maybe
2: for him He's played 27 games. So that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good sample size.
0: That is, that is a very good sample size, but keep in mind that's much smaller than the majority of these guys. Yeah. Shortstop is such a premium position that you're gonna have these guys going out there a lot more often and playing the same position more than you're gonna have at say second base or even third base, depending on the team and your situation. Taylor Walls here right now. 90% of his plays in his like area he's been successful on. His estimated success rate has been 88. That is high. However, 90 is still ridiculous. He's currently sitting at two outs above average, which is low compared to guys like Andrelton Simmons, who currently sits at 12. He leads the American League among shortstops in that. But I, I still have to take him here. I mean, I've, this is a guy I've watched. multiple occasions and he is just absolute clamps there at shortstop I mean I'm not sure that that term doesn't normally get used in baseball but I think we need to start using it he's been clamps at short and when it comes down to the end of the year this number disparity we're seeing now will not be nearly as close first off and Simmons has been very healthy this year so that could add factor in as well but more so If you pace this out, like, so these guys both get even amount of time we're talking about, I did the math the other day. We're talking about 10 outs above average for Taylor walls, somewhere around nine or 10 outs. And then he actually passes him in DRS and UZR or no, not UZR, but DRS. Mm. So the, the number, the numbers are much more comparable than you would think at first glance. I think this is going to be the first of several gold gloves for Taylor Walls.
2: If they can find a spot to play him uh, in the, in the future years.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, he's gotta be somewhere, right?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Right. Like he's, he's too good to not uh, have him on the field every day. Uh, But I'm going to go with, I'm going to kind of veer away from outs above average for, for this one. I'm going to go with Isaiah uh, Kiner-Falefa for mine. And a lot of it has to do with, so he played third base and catcher last year, which just, first of all, the fact that, or uh, excuse me, last year he just played third base and shortstop, but in 2018 and 2019, he was playing catcher second and third. To play catcher and third base is, is crazy. Then they moved him to shortstop this year, full-time. He went to gold glove at third base last year, and the Rangers saw enough in him to put him at shortstop. He's already at 1.4 defensive war. I mean, sure, outs above average, he's not there, but in terms of war, I mean, this is, this is crazy the year he's having. Uh, there's a stat called total zone runs uh, and he leads the American league for shortstops in terms of range factor, which is like how many plays do you make compared to the rest of the league? He leads in that in terms of range factor per nine innings is shortstop. It's him. Number one and Drelton Simmons too. I'm going to go with Isaiah Kiner. Falefa, honorable mention to JP Crawford, who has also been fantastic at shortstop this year and leads the entire league actually in war, but, or for, for, uh, for defensive war, but just as for Kiner Falefa, I'm going to give it to him because this is essentially a new position for him this year and for him to be this good at it is really impressive.
0: All right, Brandon, what are you thinking for left field here? Again, the outfield we've discussed already gets a little weird because basically no two stats line up with each other here. No. And in addition to that, so many outfielders play across the outfield at different points in time that you really have to go with fully qualified. Like I've been looking at guys who've had like 10, a minimum of 10 attempts because Guys like Taylor Walls, who maybe came up in May or didn't start playing that position until a little later in the season, maybe having a much better year than other guys, but don't have just haven't hit that qualifying threshold yet. So this is certainly somewhere I think I you have to go with the guys who are within that you know what is it like three innings per game qualify.
2: Yeah, uh, for this one. I'm going to go with Mark Canna. Uh, you know, he's certainly up there for outs above average uh, in terms of American League, League le- left fielders. He does play a little bit of center field as well, but he is he's mainly played in left field this year. And he's just solid. I mean, he, in years past, has been an okay defender, but... I'm just, I'm really having trouble picking someone here. Uh, LJ, unless like I'm missing anyone, I feel like he's a pretty good choice. I mean, just looking here, you know, maybe Eddie Rosario up there. Uh, his stats seem to be pretty good on the the defensive side. You know, do we throw the name Andrew Benintendi in there? Do we throw Lourdes Gurriel Jr. in there? Yeah, You know, there's just – this is certainly one of the tougher spots.
0: Um, yeah, it is. And, you know, the two guys when you said, are we missing anybody, I think Andrew Benintendi probably has to be put his name in there. However, like, it's just okay. Again, there's not – left field is not known as a premium defensive position. It, no. is, the, it, it is the least important defensive position in the outfield – That's why you're not seeing a lot of ridiculous numbers here. So I think if we're looking at numbers here, um, just briefly glancing at uh, ultimate zone rating, you've got guys like Andrew Benintendi and Justin Upton would be the next two guys after like Rosario, Lourdes Gurriel. Honestly, I think I want to go with Eddie Rosario here. And again, part of it is... I like
2: that pick a lot.
0: I test... I mean, I'm not... You see, I, I'm conflicted, though, because then you go, if you look over into more of the stat cast stuff, you could make a case for Alex Verdugo here as well. Yeah. I think we put it in the conversation.
2: Was, he, has, has he been playing pri- primarily left field or yes. has been in center a little too?
0: They've been calling, they've been call, they're calling him a center fielder in, in like the baseball system. However, he qualifies as a left fielder and he mm. has been majority him. Like any opportunity they've gotten, they've put Kike in center or Danny in center to move him over to left. So I can understand that being a knock on him there, but I mean, he's currently third in success success percentage added among left fielders here. And that in the entire league, he is leading the league. He's leading the American league by 1%. You've got Randy Rosarena. You got Andrew Benintendi. Michael Brantley, Mark Cana, all around that left field's 1% added. You know, so they're they're doing just a little bit better than what they're expected to. However, he's just an extra step up. I think he deserves consideration as well.
2: All right, center field now? Sure. All right, certainly one of the more fun spots to look at for, for gold gloves we have a pretty competitive class here because the outs above average leaderboard has five guys, has, has their own top five. And then you can look at a stat like UZR and it's a completely different top five. So either there's been a lot of good center fielders this year, or I mean, just, there's a big, something's not being accounted for uh, here, but, You know, it surprises me how high a Byron Buxton is on these lists for only having played like 200 innings in the field this year. Hmm. Like his UZR is second in the league, is number one for American League center fielders. Number two is Miles Straw, who is legitimately played three times the amount of innings that Buxton has in terms of that stat yard divided by 150. I mean, it's not even close between Buxton and, and anyone else, but I feel like it would be cheap to, to give it to him because he hasn't really, because he hasn't played a full year. And there's other guys who are who have certainly been uh, very good this year, like Brett Phillips, uh, like Ramon Laureano, but I think I'm going to go and give it to Brett Phillips, uh, another Tampa Bay Ray. You know, I, Tampa certainly doesn't get it done offensively better than other teams, but they're solid defensively. And that's where those hidden wins come in. And I think that, like LJ brought up Taylor Walls, I think that Brett Phillips is really underrated in terms of his, his uh, defensive value. He can't hit a lick. I mean, he's not a good hitter. But what he's bringing to you defensively, you don't mind that 86 OPS plus when he has been just, in terms of outs above average, really good. Uh, His success rate this year, 95% success rate is excellent. Not making errors in the outfield, really. And uh, yeah, he's just been really solid. And was the World Series hero last year for one of the games, so we can never forget that.
0: Yeah, I'm also going to go Brett Phillips here, and there's one stat here that really speaks out to me and one that I I, I think is a little more interesting or at least a little clearer in like a short-term situation to look at, and that is success rate added, which I just kind of alluded to a little bit earlier with the center fielders and the left fielders. This one, he blows guys out of the water. I mean, of course, you got Buxton, but Buxton does have a much smaller sample size mm. than a guy like Brett Phillips and a guy like um, Adoles Garcia. I mean, you really can name you can name a bunch of guys here. However, he's currently adding 9% success. So in other words, he is nearly succeeding on 10% more of his plays than he is supposed to. Mathematically speaking, he's adding ten or taking away like ten points from batters. Actually, that's not even. No, that's not right. But he he he's making ten percent more plays than he should. That's a lot.
2: You want to know what the crazy thing about him is? He's not even the team's starting center fielder this year.
0: That's was oh, the other thing. Like he's he's got majority.
2: Yes, yeah, he primarily work. played in center, but. So he's played a little over 30 games in center. Kevin Kiermaier has played 52 and they're both on this leaderboard for outs above average. I mean, they've gotten 10 outs above average between the two just from the center field spot. I mean, talk about like a defensive platoon. That's that's crazy to have. I mean, that's how the Rays win games. I mean, this is what the Rays are looking at. And, I mean, to have two really – I mean, we know how good Kevin Kiermeyer is from years past, LJ. Certainly one of the better uh, defensive players of our generation, I mm. think it's fair to say. But, you know, with him being a sort of sort of mentor to Brett Phillips, we could see a really good uh, defensive player in the making here also didn't know that brett phillips played on the kansas city royals in 2020 also and then got traded to the rays during the middle of the year just didn't realize that yeah, didn't notice
0: that i'm kind of playing around here is to see yeah another defining factor here is looking at um hard hit balls and brett phillips also again this is one of the best players you're right one of the best center fielders we've seen in years in Kevin Kiermaier, and he is getting outclassed on hard hit balls by Brett Phillips right now, in terms of um, outs above average. Like there's a two out above average difference when the ball is hit 90 miles an hour at him between the two. Kiermaier
2: hours. also had a play this year where the ball was literally hit to Randy or Rosarena in left field, and it was a tag play. And Kiermaier trusted his arm so much that he ran all the way over from center field, bumped into a Rosarena to catch the ball to get a good enough angle to throw it. And Randy was looking at him like, dude, what the F are you doing? Like, what, what are you doing? Cause he ended up not throwing him out after the game. Kiermeyer Kiermaier went on this big five minute rant about how, He's the best uh, defensive center fielder in the game. He trusts himself that much. It wasn't Randy's fault. He said that that they talk about that stuff all the time. I'll have to pull up the clip, LJ. But, like, he literally ran all the way into left field. Like, there was no reason why he should have been catching that ball. And, yeah, you know, he's, he, he could be kind of a juice in that outs above average a little bit. But certainly I can't deny what he's been doing in the past and what brett phillips has done this year
0: yeah speaking of trusting your arm how about we go ahead yeah we move over to right field before we make this uh segment any longer than it possibly could
2: uh i will not be taking the guy that i think you're going to be taking
0: yeah because you already know who i'm taking the man the myth the freaking legend the flame thrower hunter Renfro. This dude is Phil Nevin's dad. It's that simple.
2: All right. Yeah, it was a bad – it was a very bad <laughs> send. I just don't understand what – as a third-base coach, like, it's you, your job. Your That is what you spend hours a week doing is figuring out – like, that must be boring because they're looking at the same stats that we are sitting here saying – are these guys actually good fielders? Like, can I run on them? No matter what you look at for Hunter Renfro, like, sure, he might not be the rangiest outfielder, but look at his his arm. I mean, it it doesn't matter if
0: you're rangy, if you can throw it hard enough to make up for the time lost. Yeah, I mean, his arm is just crazy. I wish they had, they don't have it, like, anywhere on baseball savant or anything and i guarantee you there's something there in terms of how fast because they they show it on like mlb network all the time Like oh how yeah fast...
2: they they showed on the yes broadcast and they have like red green and and uh yellow lights as to like yeah that kind I, of stuff
0: i want to see like the average like put out attempt or assist attempts for each of these guys like if a guy's actually like throwing it into a base I want to see what the average speed is on that because I guarantee you his is going to be way the heck up there. I mean, he's, he's just, he's a man, a myth, a legend. And you know, you can't complain with the raw numbers, the raw production he's got. I've got to check here among right fielders. Currently he is fifth in the league and third in the American league in putouts. And then he really gets his work done when you look at the outfield assists. As far as American League right fielders go, he has six more than the next guy. Josh Naylor is the next man up here at five assists this year. Hunter Renfro has 11 outfield assists so far. Easily the best in the league. Right now, um, the next right fielder would be Charlie Blackman at eight. And then I have to look at in terms of across the outfield. But across the outfield really doesn't say that much, at least to me. Yeah, I mean, in terms of if we're looking at all outfielders, Lourdes Guriel also has eight. But if you're not in right field, it's not the same. Like you're making those those throws are much farther to important bases in right like that's why that's why you set yourself up with the guy with the cannon there so give me Hunter Renfro
2: I am going to be going with Joey Gallo for this one uh he's just a tank in the outfield uh currently he leads the entire MLB for outfielders in terms of total zone runs which is part of the calculation for ultimate zone rating And he's up here now. It's above average, too. Uh, He currently sits third in terms of American League right fielders behind Manny Margot, who is another Tampa Bay Ray, who they also have classified as a center fielder. So whatever Tampa is doing uh, defensively in the outfield this year is just crazy.
0: Yanny Diaz was also put in as a third baseman, and I doubt he's seen more than two games there. So. I wouldn't put much stock into it.
2: Well, I mean, Manny Margos played 10 games in center, so I'll give it to him. But, yeah, we're going to go Joey Gallo. For a guy his size, you would not think that he would be that good at fielding. I mean, 6'5", 250, and he's at a corner outfield spot. Yet yeah, he won the gold glove last year. And it's just a really impressive fielder. I mean, he has a very good arm. We certainly saw, I think it was earlier in the year, LJ, he had a really nice throw to get someone at third base or might've been even at home play. It was over 95 miles an hour off his hand or something like that. So yeah, let's go with Joey Gallo. And he won, Uh, or, and yeah, like I said, uh, defensive run saved, he's up there, so. Absolutely. Uh catcher and then we're good. Yeah, catcher and then we're good. And it's kind of a
0: is it a tough call? I kind of want to go Sean Murphy here.
2: Yeah. Uh and he's think- like and he's like the most regular catcher out of that list. Yeah. you know, Mike, Mike Zanino is having himself a really nice year fielding and hitting too has been really good hitting this year but yeah i think sean sean murphy is the the way to go lj you understand these framing stats a lot more than i do if you'd like to explain a little or just quickly however you want to do it
0: yeah uh quickly because we don't have yeah we've gone like an hour on this
2: no no i know we're not bad are we i don't think Um, i I don't i don't think so
1: Start selling online today. Sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash free 22 shopify.com slash free 22.
0: But anyway, you know, so to make it quick, basically you have the like, look, look, the heart of the plate is one, one thing. However, then you have the, like the edge of the plate and outside the edge of the plate that is deemed the shadow zone where it's kind of like right within that judgment, like that room for error for an umpire. And so as a catcher, you're trying to play with that room for error and convince him to your side. So what framing statistics look at is they look at any pitches that come within that, you know, I want to say it's like an inch or whatever, an inch or so off the plate or the first inch of the plate on either side, up, down, left, right. And so you want to, what you want to see as a catcher is you want the most amount of pitches in that shadow zone possible to be called strikes and so as you keep doing that you're going to end up like saving your team runs you're going to get better and better stats because like you're you're able to use less pitches you're able to help your cat, your pitcher avoid walks and overall it's it's what catchers are here to do and why robot arms should never exist
2: well, all right. We both went with Sean Murphy. I think we can get onto the game in terms of
0: pop time. He's also the best of the group. That's like up at top.
2: Oh yeah, I didn't even think to to check out pop time, but that's a good stat. Definitely, uh, yeah, really impressive. You want to know who else is up there on pop time? Gary Sanchez, one point. Yeah, where I is he
0: on the uh, runs extra strikes?
2: We don't need him for that. That's why you don't don't need it. You don't need three hundred million dollars. LJ, don't you love when your three hundred million dollar pitcher is able to take the number three hitter out of your lineup? Let's get into that Yankees Red Sox game, though, huh?
0: Yeah. Why don't we? Because we had the spectacular Spider tack taking on Eduardo
2: Rodriguez here. Friendly neighborhood Spider tack.
0: Now, the spectacular spider attack before this game. Oh. Um, I'm a little bit shaking my head here. As I, I I downed a whole plate of white American cheese going into this to make sure this was my cheesiest show yet, and Brandon just goes and blows all my puns. That's not Gouda.
2: I can edit it out if we, if we need to.
0: Well, now we're now am now I'm losing all of my good cheese jokes.
2: Oh, this. what a shame. He's losing cheese jokes, everyone.
0: I, I'm wasting all of my cheese jokes. They're all going spoiled. Oh, no. But anyway, yeah, we've got the formerly spectacular Spider Tack, Garrett Cole taking on Eduardo Rodriguez here. And things were not pretty from the beginning of this game as the Yankees tried to avoid their second sweep of the season by the Boston Red Sox. The first inning starts out with a Kike Hernandez leadoff piss missile. His seventh of the year goes deep. And then a big fly, huge 19th piss missile for Rafi Devers here makes it a 4-0 game going out of the first. This score will hold for a little bit, but it'll only be till the third inning. As J.D. Martinez sends piss missile number three of the game out of the park. Continue, they continue to get all over Cole as Christian Vasquez hits a sack fly later in the inning to make this a six nothing game. Aaron Judge did manage to score here in the top of the sixth with Eduardo Rodriguez in his waning pitches. He hits a two run piece, his 17th of the year. But then the Red Sox hop right back on the train here in the bottom of the seventh. Rafi Devers drives in a run. And then the bottom of the eighth, Christian, the moon man, Vasquez with a piss missile of his own piss missile number four on the year for Vasquez. And then Kike Hernandez drives one more in for good measure. The Red Sox complete the sweep and keep their, their season sweep hopes alive over the Yankees with this nine to two win. Give the win to Eduardo Godriguez, Eddie Aces is back, folks. Six innings, two earned, eight strikeouts for EGOD, and the loss will go to the man who must now be known as the friendly neighborhood, spider Tech because there was nothing intimidating about this performance. Five innings, eight hits, six runs, six strikeouts. No bueno. That wasn't very Gouda. For him at all, the hold will go to Garrett Whitlock. The Yankees spit in his eyes, said he was no good. And Brandon, overall, before I ask you about your general series thoughts, I've been dying to ask you of your general thoughts about Game Two. um, It was your night off, so I can't expect you to have seen every every little bit of it. However, I I really wished I was talking about it with you last night as the Yankees lost in a death by paper cut fashion.
2: Uh, You know, we bring up Albert Abreu because we have to put guys on the IL in, in our bullpen. That doesn't mean you have to use them just because you just called them up and they haven't pitched yet. Like, what is wrong with this organization? I don't understand how they just feel like it's okay that in important games we can just turn through pitchers because, oh, it's fine. Cause in a week he'll get sent back down. That's not how teams win games. And not only that, cause I'm getting pissed off over a guy who pitched the last two innings yet it did. I mean, it kind of affected the outcome of the game, in my opinion. I mean, not only that, but game two was just a mess. I mean, you have our lineup that, has produced this series, certainly not runs, but they're getting hits and walks. Like they are getting on base. However, there's no sort of situational hitting on this team ever. I mean, in terms of runners and scoring position, I'm pretty sure we're the worst in the league this year. And when you combine that with the team that hits into the most double plays and the worst base-running team, and one of the worst fielding teams in the league. I mean, that's that's where the buck stops with this team. It, it's just, I don't know. In terms of game two, look, Jordan Montgomery, from what I saw, I mean, you can tell me a little bit more, but he didn't pitch terrible. I mean, he no. certainly held his own 66 got, strong. Certainly got, not what Ivaldi did, but... Uh, he just, got
0: absolutely screwed, but you guys just defense and good base running here because, really, I mean, again, the difference in this game. This is a four-two final with two RBIs on hits that didn't leave the infield, or yeah. batted balls that didn't leave the infield. I have to uh, also have to ask, out of my own like cruelty, I texted you last night, Raphael Devers for bronze base runner.
2: Did you have no, any context exactly at that point? Did, no. So what oh. did he do?
0: Okay, so there was a pop-up to Luke Voigt in foul territory. And oh, Luke Voigt
2: up right running back
0: around and Rafi tags up and beats him to the beats beats him home. It wasn't even that like it was it was like it was behind first base, but it wasn't like I wouldn't say within the outfield area either. So it was like a it was a medium depth. Like I was not expecting that play to go well at all, yet, let alone to have him come in standing.
2: No, and as for the whole, my thoughts on the whole series, you guys pulled out all the stops to screw around with the Yankees, and they just weren't ready for it. Jacoby Ellsbury has no reason to be at at Dustin Pedroia's thing, uh, his his jersey, whatever, whatever they were doing, just just honoring Dustin Pedroia just for whatever reason. Because you retired. Yeah. Okay. Because you retired. Dustin, I- he-
0: Best leaders of the 21st century Red
2: Sox. No, you know, uh, you know of, of course. But, like, he has no reason being there. That's the first time Yankee fans have seen this guy in public in five years. <laughs> and this is where it is with a Red Sox jersey on? I mean, look, props to them because you guys just completely – that – As soon as I saw him, I just knew it was going to be a rough, rough series. And look, there's just people out there who are still confident that this Yankees team is a playoff team. They cite the 20 or the 2009 team that uh, was like 38 and 32, and they had lost their first eight games of the year to the Red Sox no this is not anywhere close to the 2019 the 2019 had a t- one unanimous hall of famer one that missed by one vote and a aron not to mention you have other guys on there who are potential hall of famers in cc sabathia mark Teixeira. i mean Robinson can know if he didn't do steroids, would certainly be in the conversation. That team had ridiculous amount of talent. They had Johnny Damon leading it off. There was just a completely different feel with that team because that Yankees team was playing good from like early May. Like they struggled in the first month, but they were playing a good brand of baseball. This Yankees team this year is one of the most boring watches I have ever seen as a baseball team. Legitimately, 85% of the Yankee games this year are borderline unwatchable. It's just so boring because the offense is stagnant. Somehow, we have the 13th best OPS in the league, which is just... Either it shows how bad the offense has been this this year or just how boring our offense is in general. And there's no sort of leadership on this team. Who is the leader in this clubhouse? Because, LJ, certainly I know the players' personalities a lot better than you. But from an outsider looking in, I mean, who is stepping up in, in your mind in these situations? Like, who is talking to the team after the loss today? Is it Aaron Judge? Like, is Aaron Judge in that spa yet? Is it, um, I mean, who who could it be? Like, it's it's not Garrett Cole. It's no, I think not, there's- It's not anyone in the bullpen. It's certainly not Zach Britton, because if anything, yeah, you could say, certainly he's a veteran, but he was creating rifts in this team in spring training with all the stuff that happened with Domingo Herman. I mean, who is the leader? Where is the leadership here, who is going to take accountability for this stuff?
0: Yeah, honestly, I mean, this is a a good topic to dive into at another point in time as well, like where where, where you're most apt to find leadership within a team. You're certainly less apt to find in a bullpen guy or a pitcher because, I mean, it's so separate. Like you really actually, you need to. However, the large majority of the issues – with the overall team chemistry are seeming to come from, you know, just no synergy synergy in this lineup. If I had to point somewhere of a guess, again, I don't have a great grasp. I mean, I've watched plenty of Yankees being in upstate New York. I don't have a great grasp. If I like was forced to pick someone, it would be Brett Gardner. See, but- see like, he also, he also, I can also very much see him
2: being more of that rogue type. No, like see the thing with him, he's been on the team forever. So he certainly has a good, he certainly can talk to his teammates, but I think he has more of a personal re- relationship with the guys rather than that team leader relationship. And, you know, The Red Sox lineup every day, two through five, is the exact same. You never change it. You just hit your worst hitter first, and then you put your best four hitters, two through five. And it works for you guys. It it works. The Yankees, where is the, like you said, where's the synergy in our lineup? Because what pitcher, you know, the whole Kyle Higashioka experiment after today is over. Like There's no reason, because now that Cole had a bad start with Higashioka catching, it doesn't matter, because on opening day, Gary caught Cole and pitched very good. Well, you also have to consider the fact that Spider Tack didn't have his sticky fingers. No, but after the game, Cole said that he wanted Higashioka to be his catcher. It's not working. And when you have to take the, one of the hottest hitters in the major leagues over the past month out of your lineup in a game where you can get swept by your biggest rival because your pitcher is dictating that, th- there's just so many more problems in this. And the fact that people genuinely think that this is a playoff team, it, it baffles me because I've watched every game this year or at least. Caught some sort of pitch on my phone. It stayed in touch with every game. Really, Friday night's game was the first time where I didn't see it on TV at all, where I was just keeping track on my phone and the radio. I have a pretty good feel for this team, and just watching them play, we're just not a playoff team, but I have rambled on for too long. LJ, any last thoughts on this? But I thought yeah. I would take a different approach to this today, and it's just the same. Hey, look, it, it's been the same problems for years. I have and two
0: more, have two more thoughts, and most of them come down to management and above. The first one is there's no good reason that Gary Sanchez is out of that lineup. Because if you were strong roster constructors, you would have stayed as far away from Stanton when you had the chance as you could possibly be that is the uh, major issue there like he's been a good hitter you can't yes end. however you cannot deny the fact that having a guy who the team feels is physically incapable of playing the field is not a good thing because if I'll they wanted hard. if they wanted to win and they wanted to put a winning lineup out there you could have put him in left and you could have could have dh
2: would gary and it that solves a, your problems it is legitimately a little league-sized left field. Yeah. And you cannot tell me. Although he has, lo- he has looked like an absolute moron
0: in left field at Fenway in the past.
2: Okay, yeah, fair. <laughs> but that's the best beside the point. He's better than Miguel Andujar out there. I'll tell you that because Andujar gets scared once he hits the warning track because he doesn't want to get hit by the wall, which, okay, I don't blame him. Like, that's also hard to do when you're not, when you're a primary third baseman. But you cannot tell me that Giancarlo San, who is a world-class athlete, clearly keeps himself in a good enough shape to where he can be a good hitter this year and can hit piss missiles, as LJ likes to call them. You can't tell me that he doesn't want to play in the field. Like, it's not, it cannot be up to him. Like, someone else is making that choice and it it just I, – I, I don't get it, LJ. I, I just don't get it.
0: Yeah, the other thing I have here is another just drawing comparisons between these two teams. One team here put – I'm sorry, was it Brian Abreu?
2: Albert Abreu.
0: Albert Abreu. Abreu. Um, Albert Abreu.
2: Who we just called up.
0: Out there for two innings in – one of the most crucial series of the year. Like I'm sorry, but you're a fool if you're a team a, a huge team like this and you don't get up for your biggest rival. Like there's there's no actual fight in this in these teams if you don't genuinely care about winning a game against the Yankees. There if you're a Cubs team, there's no fight. You are not a real team real Cubs team if you don't care about beating the Cardinals every time you go out there. You, I, I don't need to go on but like the biggest rivalry games, everybody should be up for them, including the management, including the front office staff. So you have Brian Abreu going out there in a close game with a, ch- a legitimate chance to win against the, your rival Boston Red Sox, and you choose that option. Meanwhile, in order to ensure that win, the Red Sox are sending Adam Adovino out there for his third straight day because he's the best guy that is not, like, His arm's not about to fall off. Oh, no,
2: LJ, we can't pitch a pitcher three days in a row. You didn't hear? It's automatic Tommy John surgery three days in a row. Yeah, but, like, exactly.
0: That's the point. It's like there are certain times where your rules should be thrown out the
2: window. Absolutely. Like, you can follow it as close as you want. But in these situations, where do we have an off day today, the Yankees? I'm not sure regardless okay well we don't but we're facing uh, dylan bundy so it it yes. might as well be uh i just Elja, i just the fact that i heard people saying this is a playoff team look the pitching has been good like we pitched good other than today the first two games i didn't mind the pitching it's just wow some of these moves here i mean Bringing in Brooks Krisky today. We just waste these guys because we know that they're going to be sent back down. We hunted well, three games against the Tigers by not pitching anyone good. We didn't use a single high leverage arm in three games other than a Chapman. And we end up taking him out and give up a walk off home run. It's just, uh, all right. Uh, I, I, well, I, I, I'm just, I'm exactly. I'm- and it's like one of
0: those things where, like, they've basically punted multiple games against the Red Sox as well because they've decided to not to to play the long game rather than to take the important momentum ones rather than to actually I'm not saying kowtow to your fan base all the time but you should be willing to actually care about the games that are important to the people that are paying your salary all right Uh
2: Yeah, let's run through the rest of these games fairly quickly. Uh, There's one other thing that we want to talk about, and I will be covering that game after LJ does Dodgers-Cubs. Oh, dear. I forget what you're talking about.
0: Oh, right. Yeah, Dodgers-Cubs. Scoring starts at the bottom of the second as the Dodgers get RBIs from a Coding Bellinger home run as well as a Zach McKinstry grand slam. Put them on top. Javi Baez does go yard, but that will only make it a 6-1 Dodgers game. And this one ends 7-1 in favor of Los Angeles. Give the win to Clayton Kershaw, who pitches a beautiful eight innings with four hits, one earned, and 13 strikeouts. The loss will go to Albert Alzale, who goes three innings, allowing four earned with three strikeouts.
1: When I deployed, I didn't realize that even the air I was breathing was dangerous. Since coming home, I've watched friends get sick and struggle to get the support they deserve. But now, that's finally changing. We're eligible for new VA health care and benefits based on when and where we served. Even though I feel okay, I'm going to apply. For my sake and for my family. Learn more and apply today. Visit va.gov p-a-c-t. All right. Uh,
2: Mariners and White Sox, they played two games today. One was a continuation of a game from Saturday. And in that game, top five, Taylor Trammell opens the scoring with his seventh homer of the year, and it's 1-0. But then Liari Garcia ties it up with a single of his own. We're tied at one after five innings. Ty France goes deep to put Seattle back up 2-1. to one. But Yasmani Grandal with a sack fly, and we are tied back at two. Top nine, Tremel steps up and goes yard again. Two home runs on the day for him as two out of the three RBIs for Seattle. And they pick up a 3-2 win in what was game one uh, today. Give the win to. Paul Sewell out of the Seattle bullpen. They went with a bit of a bullpen game today, and or in this game, and it certainly works. The loss to Liam Hendricks, who allows that home run to Tramel, now three and two on the year for him. Uh, so, because this game did get uh, restarted, or not restarted, but continued from where it was. Lance Lynn had the start for the White Sox yesterday, went three innings and didn't allow a single hit or run, and then got taken out for Dallas Keuchel to come pitch five innings today. And LJ, I'm not sure if you just heard what I said. He just got back. Lance Lynn, though, gets the start yesterday, three innings without allowing a hit. Game gets suspended Dallas Keuchel comes and tries to continue the no-hitter, is unable to, but the big story in this one, Mariners pitcher Hector Santiago, the first pitcher to get caught with foreign substance while uh, getting checked while leaving the mound. They found some sort of sticky substance on his glove. His glove was then placed into a white trash bag and carried out of the stadium uh, for further investigation. And if he's suspended for 10 days, The Mariners will be short a roster spot. They're not able to get him off the team unless they cut him or trade him. And that's really going to suck for if that happens. I mean, being short a pitcher for 10 games is a big deal.
0: Well, that's the point. And I'm glad it is that way.
2: Yeah.
0: I mean, of course, he's going to get the whole due process. They're going to figure it all out. They're going to actually like investigate what they have there, what they've got on the glove, what they have on tape with spin rate and all of that. So there's no guarantee that this is even going to lead to a suspension. However, if he did use something, he 100% deserves everything that's coming to him, and so does the team. Because as as a team culture, as a coaching staff, as the trainers across the board, if you set the precedent that none of this stuff should even be getting into the locker room, or the clubhouse, and you actually like enforce this stuff. If you take this seriously as a team, there is not a lot of good reasons that you're going to find this stuff on the mound. So if they're not able to get their stuff together as a team, then they don't deserve that roster spot.
2: No, certainly not. All right, game two, which was a seven-inning game, and this opens up in the bottom of the first. Your mean mercedes with a two-run double to put the White Sox on the board. Kyle Seager with a bases-loaded walk top three. That puts the Mariners on the board. But the White Sox take a 7-1 lead in the fourth, thanks to another Jermaine Mercedes single. And then a Zach Collins bases-clearing double makes it 7-1. Mitch Hanigerbo though, tries to get Seattle back into it. He gets a three-run homer in the top of the seventh off of Liam Hendricks, who, once again... Tony pitching him twice in the same day, and he allows home runs in both appearances. Yet is able to get the save in this one as the White Sox win seven to five. Give the win to Aaron Bummer. It was almost a bummer in this one. Uh, the oh, loss really
0: very disappointing.
2: The loss goes to Robert Dugger, who got the start for Seattle. Two innings, two earned runs for him. And Hendricks with his 20th save on the year. Actually, it wasn't him who allowed the home run in the ninth. Okay, so not bad managing there. 20th save on the year. Uh,
0: you really were just so gung ho to have that be bad management. Well, work.
2: just I feel like pitching a guy twice in one day is a bit, you know, you have enough, especially on a doubleheader. You get an extra pitcher that you, that you call up, like it's your 27th man. You have that guy for a reason. So there should be no reason why you should be using your closer in both games. That's just that's you, my
0: that. You have been brainwashed by the Yankees into thinking in these ways. We, we will work it out of you. All right, next up, we've got the Braves and the Reds. And this was pretty much all Braves from the third inning on as Ronald Acuna hits an RBI double and then Freddie Freeman gets an RBI single to make this a 2-0 game there. Then in the fifth and sixth, both Ronald Acuna and Austin Riley go yard to get us to our 4 nothing Braves final. The win will go to Kyle Muller, who had a monster day on the mound. Goes five innings, allowing one earned. No or one hit, no earned, nine strikeouts. The loss will go to Tyler Molly. He went six innings, allowing four earned with seven strikeouts.
2: All right, the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Baltimore opens it up in the top of the first with a Ryan Mountcastle home run, 13th on the year, and they take a 1-0 lead. Toronto ties it in the second on a ground-into double play, and then Vladdy doubles in the third to give them a 3-1 lead. Ramon Urias doubles in the fifth to bring Baltimore within one. But in the bottom of the inning, Kevin Biggio with a two-run double to make it 5-2. And the score would remain that. That's your final Toronto walks away with a win. You can give the win to Ross Stripling. Five innings, two earned, three strikeouts. The loss goes to Jorge Lopez, who falls to 2-10 and ten on the year. Four and two thirds, 10 hits, five earned from him. And Jordan Romano gets his sixth, sixth save on the year.
0: All right. Well, there was a light breeze at City Fields today with this game between the Phillies and the Mets. And it affected a couple different spots here. We've got a Herrera hitting a sacrifice fly in the top of the second. This is a precursor to a three-run third inning for the Phillies, which put them up 4-0 before the Mets got a chance to respond. In the bottom of the eighth, Pete Alonzo hits an RBI single to cut this to a three-run deficit. And then Kevin Bollard goes yard, his eighth home run of the year in the ninth inning, makes it 4-2, but the run will end there as the Phillies Defeat the Mets four to two, give the win to Zach Wheeler. He went seven innings, allowing four hits, no earned, and eight strikeouts. The loss goes to Marcus Stroman, going three innings, two earned, four total runs with three strikeouts. The save goes to Archie Bradley. All
2: right, Angels and Rays were scoreless till the top of the fourth when Phil Gosselin comes through with an RBI single to make it one to nothing. Angels. Brandon Lau steps up and says, I will not be replaced by Wander Franco. 15th homer of the year for him. And we are tied at one. Shohei Otani then steps up and doubles uh, down the line to score a run. And then G-Man Choi homers his third of the year, three-run bomb, and that gives Tampa... 4-2 4-2 lead in the bottom of the sixth. Then, Tampa Bay's bullpen, very uncharacteristic, gives up runs in the sixth, seventh, eighth, and ninth innings, allowing the Angels to come back. Juan Lagaris with a double. Shohei Otani with a triple to tie it in the seventh. Then top eight, Phil Gosselin with a home run to give the Angels a 5-4 lead. And then to top things off, Otani's Sun, 25th homer of the year. Angels walk away with a 6-4 to victory. Three out of four Tampa Bay relief pitchers allow earned runs. Certainly not something that we're used to seeing. The win goes to Tony Watson. Patrick Sandoval, five innings, three earned and six Ks for the Angels. Ryan Yarbrough for Tampa, six innings, two earned and four strikeouts. The loss goes to Matt Whistler out of the bullpen.
0: Next up, we got the Nationals and the Marlins, and the Nationals get on the board here in the top of the first. The Josh Harrison single that scores one. This is tied up by Jesus Aguilar, double in the bottom of the first. Sandy Alcantara is looking good all the way into the sixth inning, but just when you think things are going well, Sandy finally says, I can't bear this offense any longer. Trey Turner goes yard. Josh Bell goes yard. And the Nationals win this one 5-1. to one. Give the win to Max Scherzer. He went six innings, allowing one earned run and seven strikeouts. The loss goes to Sandy Alcantara. He went five and a third, allowing four earned runs, five total, with three strikeouts and two home runs.
2: All right, Tigers and Astros. Uh, This series has been pretty uncompetitive so far throughout the weekend, but the Tigers actually are able to do something here. Uh, But it starts off, really boring game in general here. Carlos Correa sack fly in the top of the fourth. That makes it 1-0 Houston. Akil Badu, bottom seven, ties it up at one. And we go to extras. Houston, unable to do anything in the top of the tenth, bottom ten. How about a little walk-off sacrifice bunt? Robbie Grossman comes through. The Tigers win two to one, and I believe uh break the Astros' win streak. Right? Um,
0: no, that got broken. They during- lost
2: yesterday. But- yeah, yeah, that's the right. Tomorrow. They lost. Oh, yep, that's right. Okay, well, still, Astros have been storming hot lately. And, uh, yeah, Tigers spin a very good game. Our guy, Tariq Skubal, seven innings, one hit, one run, and nine Ks against the best offense in the league. Maybe this Tigers pitching staff is going to be very good in the future uh, with a guy like Skubal at the helm. The win goes to Gregory Soto out of the bullpen. The loss to Blake Taylor out of Houston's bullpen. Jayco to Rizzi. He's been putting it together lately. Five innings, two hits, no earned runs, and three strikeouts. That season ERA, LJ, I remember we used to joke at the start of the season about how he literally forgot how to pitch. 4.08 ERA right now. So he certainly got it down. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, the Tigers uh, take this one.
0: Right, next up, we got the Brewers and the Rockies. It really is just the Brewers and the Brewers. Keston Huria gets the scoring going in the bottom of the third with a solo home run. From there, Omar Narvaez and Keston Huria drive in four more runs, and the Brewers win this one 5-0. Give the win to Lauer out of Milwaukee. He went six innings, along two hits, no earned runs, and six strikeouts. The loss will go to chichi gonzalez who went five innings allowing three hits one earned with four strikeouts
2: all right the twins and indians minnesota scores runs in the first four innings of the game they get a trevor Larnick rbi single in the first and then drelton simmons two run home run in the second A Josh Donaldson home run in the third and a Nelson Cruz three-run bomb in the fourth to take a seven-to-one lead. They go on to win this one eight-to-two. Not a lot going on in this game. Jay Happ with the win, six innings, two earned and seven Ks. The loss to Sam Henches, three and a third, six hits, six earned runs.
0: Well, Pittsburgh managed to add – three here in the first inning of this game and i mean that was really all they'd need as they'd continue to run the score up though as we get into the top of the fifth where we get two home runs one by gregory blanco and one by ben gamel to push this out to a seven nothing lead the pirates will end up winning this one seven to two give the win to Max Kranich, who went five innings of no hit ball with three strikeouts he was
2: perfect through the he was perfect through five innings and then there was an hour-long rain delay so they took him out of the game uh with the perfect game
0: oh uh, yeah and then the loss oh. will go to johan ovedo who went four innings allowing five earned and five strikeouts
2: I would be pissed if I was crannin'. I mean, you're you're literally throwing a perfect game and they take you out because of a rain delay. Like, I'm sure he was also part of it because, like, it's tough to be done to not pitch for an hour. Yeah, that... Literally throwing a perfect game. Like, Like, it's not like you're hyperbole saying it's a perfect game. You know, it's actually a perfect game. 15 up, 15 down.
0: Yeah, but, like, you think about it, though... Your options really are going to be if you're going to keep your arm warm enough for you to actually be good when you go out there again, you would have to be throwing at a consistent amount, which means you maybe have like another inning left in you to begin with. Yeah, after been throwing yeah. regularly for an hour,
2: so it would make no sense. He will. Wow, he was only at fifty pitches. Oh Ooh. my god,
0: he definitely could have gone pitches
2: the in five innings. Tough
0: that uh, on the distance but that's the way the game's played
2: yeah the cardinals uh, now fall the fourth place in the nl central seven games back and are rocking a negative 47 run differential on the year rough for them
0: <laughs> that's not gouda
2: no certainly not especially after
0: a, such a monster game by kranic
2: all right <laughs> on to the royals and the rangers this one gets going, in the bottom of the first is Adelise Garcia hits his second triple of the year. That scores a run, and it's 1-0. And then Joey Gallo, my right field gold glove winner, he gets his 16th of the year. That brings home Garcia, and the Rangers are up 3-0. Whit Merrifield with an RBI single in the fifth to put Kansas City on the board. But the Rangers go on to win this one four to one that's all Kansas City does on offense for the day Rangers score four runs on four hits we love to see it 2021 baseball folks the win to Jordan Lyle seven innings seven hits one earned four K's the loss goes to Brady Singer five innings two earned and five K's and Ian Kennedy with his 13th save of the season
0: next up we've got the A's and the Giants Matt Chapman got things going with a two RBI single in the top of the first. That will, those will be the only two runs to cross the board until the sixth inning, where the A's unload six runs, or I'm sorry, not six runs, three runs here in the sixth inning, including a pitcher's who bunt moment as Cole Irvin hits a sacrifice bunt scoring Tony Kemp. That gets us to a eventually five-nothing lead going into the late innings, which turns into six by the seventh, where Aramis Garcia hits an RBI single. But in the bottom of the in the bottom of the ninth, Darren Ruff is able to drive in a run. And then Steven Duger hits a double to drive in one more. But the rally will stop short there. And the A's win this one six to two over the Giants. Give the win to Cole Irving. He went eight innings, allowing three hits, no earned, and eight strikeouts. The loss goes to Sammy Long. He went five innings, allowing four earned and three strikeouts.
2: All right, let's wrap things up with Padres and Diamondbacks. Bottom one, Tommy Pham goes yard, and then Jake Cronenworth singles, and we are not tied. Excuse me. Padres take a two-run lead. In the bottom of the first. Top four, the Diamondbacks get on the board on a wild pitch by Hugh Darvish. And then Arizona takes the lead in the top of the seventh. They get an Eduardo Escobar fielder's choice that scores two runs due to an errant throw by Fernando Tatis Jr. Just kind of tried to throw it too quickly to second base and it ends up in right field. And kind of a costly error there. You go from uh, up one to down one. on one play as dribble cabrera then sacked fly arizona takes a four to two lead but the bullpen is unable to hold on the padres storm back with three runs in the bottom of the seventh Trent grisham with a double jake cronenworth with a single and then tatis comes through with the big double to give the padres back the lead at five four and they go on to win by that score Tim Hill gets the win in relief of U Darvish, even though he allowed three runs, and Darvish pitched six innings, only allowing one run. Six innings, one earned, seven Ks for Darvish. Lost to Matt Peacock, two innings, five hits, three earned, and Mark Melanson with his 24th save on the year. LJ, oh. do you have something?
0: No, just thank you for doing the game.
2: Oh. You're doing the AL this week, bud. No, I know, but I, you know, I was very concerned. I was saw it, and I was like, "Oh, he's got ace giants." Well, I got the next one. But um, thank you, bud. Yeah, no problem. Uh, did you know now? So, of course, Arizona LJ. The one day I'm not here, they break their streak.
0: All the streaks are gone.
2: Or no, I was here. I was here the day they broke their streak, right? Or no, did that happen yesterday? That was yesterday. Well. Regardless, they've now only won one road game since April 26th and it's June 28th. So they've won one game on the road in two months.
0: That's it's it's upsetting to see. It's like because speaking from experience, Brandon, you haven't, at least in recent memory, experienced a truly bad base Yankees team. Actually, has there really been a bad Yankees team?
2: Haven't been under 500 since the early 90s.
0: Exactly. Like, believe, you have to believe me when you I say this is another level of pain having to watch this as a fan, as a person who cares about the te- these teams. It's absolutely painful knowing that they are trying to win. Like the guys out there are genuinely trying to win. They just do not have nearly the talent base to be able to get that done and this is over a 162 game season i would have cried if i had to watch the 2020 red Sox over any more than 60 games
2: you know and the
0: backs group has to deal with this for an entire year
2: (laughs) yeah it's just it's rough going out in the the desert right now but I think that that is going to wrap up today's episode. Thank you for listening to the MLB Daily Podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter. Play our trivia game at MLB Daily Pod. Follow us on TikTok. We post clips from every single show. Uh, So yeah, check us out there. And uh, yeah, we will see you guys tomorrow. See you mañana. her.